Clubhouse bonus episode, Coaching with a Classroom Management Lens. Hey, Elite Educators, it's Gretchen here from Always a Lesson. I'm popping in here with a super exciting bonus episode. I have been leading chats on the Clubhouse app, which is an audio conversation platform for months now. I created the Instructional Coaching Club on Clubhouse, and I lead those chats Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, so I sure hope you join us. But if not, drum roll please, you can catch the replay right here. How cool is that? This is a new feature Clubhouse has rolled out, so the past chats we've held are not recorded. It's such a bummer. However, going forward, I will be sharing the replay with you here. Even more professional support for you on your edu leadership journey. So let's dive into the convo. Hey, there you go. You got it. I got it. (laughs) Okay, so I am going to ping other people. I didn't want to do that until for sure you were in here. So that'll be good. Um, Feel free to just hang for a minute as I do this. And people can catch the replay. So if folks aren't in here during our chat, no big deal. They'll get to hear the replay on the app or I always put it on the podcast. So it's going to be really helpful even if folks can't join us live. Okay. Great. It's funny because the last time, the only time that I've used this was to listen to one other thing that you had. I'm not sure what the chat was about, but um, that was the only <laughs> other time I've listened to uh, Clubhouse <laughs> chat. Well, welcome back. <laughs> because when, when we connected this week, I realized I'm already a member of this group. And I'm like, oh, that's right. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. It's been so long. But I'm glad you're back in action. Okay, I'm almost done pinging people in. <clears throat> okay. And then the chat's ready to go. I know some folks on Twitter were like, oh, I want to come. So I'm, you can also hit, it's like the second but, button from the left at the bottom where you can share it on your social media. That way folks can join us. Okay. All right. Okay. Hey, Christina. We're just pinging folks in and then we're going to get started. Okay. Um, let's see. Well, since Christina's already here, let's just get the chat started and I will keep going. And Christina's already in the chat talking to us. Good. Hey, Jessica. Okay. So Celeste, give us a quick rundown, like high level, why is classroom management your jam? What, where were you with teaching and coaching and and give us all that? Okay. Um, well, basically I'm a former classroom teacher and I've had Uh, about 20 years in education. Uh, Part of that was early childhood. As an early childhood teacher, I was also an elementary school teacher and a basic skills teacher for a bit. Um, So I love supporting new preschool, pre-K teachers with classroom management, um, specifically if they're one to three years in the classroom because I I feel like a lot of them feel unprepared when they are in the classroom. 
um, there was an incident um, a while ago when I was actually a, a basic skills teacher and I overheard another teacher talking to another one and uh, the uh, the computer teacher that came into the classroom was new and he was having a really hard time with classroom management and that teacher another the other teacher said you know why don't you help him with that and she refused she said if he got the job then he should know how to do it and i just feel like there's a disconnect between coming from the college classroom to your own classroom and student teaching doesn't really show what goes into like preparing those routines and procedures and um, getting the children set up for success. And also the courses, at least the courses that I've taken, they weren't really designed for um, to teach classroom management. And I also found that when new teachers are hired, the onboarding process or the onboarding system doesn't really cover classroom management and other things like, for instance, how to teach. <laughs> so um, I just feel like there needs to be a bridge between the college classroom and the first classroom of a teacher. And I, I wanna be that bridge to help them ease into the, the field. There are so many, I'm in a, a member of so many different Facebook groups and the teachers there that are in their first or second year are struggling and, and they're just saying that they don't know if this is the right career for them, that they made a mistake. And I, I really feel that if there was uh, that if that piece wasn't missing, that they would feel more prepared to be there. Yeah, I agree with so much of what you're saying. And uh, those of you in the audience and anyone catching the replay, although she's got this preschool, like younger elementary age group as her expertise, what we're going to talk about tonight is applicable to so many areas, so many levels of kids and age of kids. And especially when we're talking about coaching teachers, it applies. So when you're listening to some of her experiences, just think like, what does this look like for older kids? Or what does this look like for my teachers? And know that um, this chat tonight is going to be designed to make sure everyone, you know, get something out of it, which is really great. Feel free to pop into the chat. Let's see. Hey, Fancy, welcome. Um, and say hello, let us know where you're from. If you happen to have any classroom management questions or struggles when working with teachers, put those in there and we're gonna address them throughout the chat tonight. Um, and I will of course share all of my thoughts on classroom management and what makes teachers really effective. But I agree that the, the root of the issue is when it comes to practicing classroom management techniques that when we learn about things, it all sounds great in the grand scheme of things. And then they get into the classroom and they're really struggling to put things into action. And so I hope tonight we talk about some very specific things folks can do and um, to just to be really successful. So why don't we get started with 
um, those of you, if you can get into the chat and just tell me the importance of classroom management at your school level. Is it something you guys prioritize or is it something that's just kind of like left up to the teacher? And Celeste, let me know why you think it's important, not just for new teachers, but teachers of all levels to develop these strong classroom management systems. Well, I think that once you have like a strong foundation, once you set that strong foundation that you'll be able to, you know, go through the rest of the of the year and and be able to teach <laughs> the children as opposed to stopping every few moments to, you know, put out fires. Um, and a lot of that I think is because we're missing that piece at the beginning of the school year of setting up those routines and procedures and expectations or rules, whatever you'd like to call them. And because we are not really, I don't think, encouraged to spend time on those things, any real amount of time on those things in the beginning of the year, it kind of like creates this snowball effect or this downward spiral throughout the rest of the year. Um, I really do hope that, you know, administration uh, gets a chance to like really see like what's happening in their school as far as like behaviors are concerned and the pressure that is put on teachers to start teaching right away. I know that was the case when I was in, um, when I was a second grade teacher that there was a pressure to, to start like, yes, spend that first week getting to know the children and all that good stuff. But next week we need to get into the books as opposed to like really, you know, spending some quality time on building those relationships and also um, making sure that the children know the routines and the procedures as well. So I think like once you have that strong foundation, you can build upon it um, and have a smooth running classroom. But other than that, it, it's shaky ground if you don't if you're not allowed or if you don't spend that amount of time, uh, a nice amount of time to do that. Yep. And I think classroom management at the end of the year is another big struggle for folks. So when we're talking about, it is great in the beginning of the year to set things up and we'll chat more about that as the, as we go on through the discussion. But right now this topic is so timely because it's the end of the year. Some of us uh, haven't left yet for summer break. And it's just a little chaotic. Either testing is done or folks are just checked out. Everyone's got spring fever. The weather's really nice. Everyone's just ready to, to leave. And classrooms tend to get a little bit more relaxed because the heavy lifting of either the state requirements of, you know, testing or report cards are pretty much filled out and done, uh, it gets a little loose in the classroom, which mm. I as a teacher have been guilty of doing that. And that only hinders what you're able to do in the classroom. And I'm not saying you have to get out the textbooks and hit it hard, but you can create fun, engaging lessons that um, you didn't get to throughout the year because you've really had to hit standards or something, but you still in doing so need 
those routines and you have to uphold kids, even though you're like, hey, it's the last few days of school. Like, let's just all kind of, you know, let the, the rules not count as much as they used to. And that actually affects people's learning, even if the learning doesn't count on a test or doesn't count on a report card. Um, you're just not really giving them the best opportunity. So it's important that when we're thinking about classroom management, it's not just beginning of the year stuff. It's all year, especially after a long break, like Christmas break or spring break, or now at the end of the year. Uh, I think every quarter we got to kind of start fresh and review things. And more importantly, you were talking Celeste about relationships first. It's also essential when you're setting up these systems to let kids know, like, why, why are we doing this? Why do we have to follow these things? And so when I'm working with teachers, I say, well, what are the procedures and systems in the classroom? And they'll tell me they either have them or they don't have them. And I'm thinking to myself, have we sat with kids so they understand in order to reach their goals and in order to have a productive environment because there's a lot of us in here we yeah. have to have some some boundaries and some ground rules and do they have a say in those and have you shared well the reason we um use a timer for transitions is so that we can get to work as fast as possible and I don't want us unsafely rushing around the room, but we don't need to take 10 minutes to transition to centers. You know, we can, we can do it in two minutes and um, do it safely. So I think you really got to get that buy-in from, from kids and teachers really need to be reflective of how well did I mention the purpose behind this? How well did I introduce whatever the system's going to be? How well did I model it? And here's the kicker. How well did I consistently require kids to meet it? And most of the time teachers do really well until that last part because we're human um, and we got all these stressors and it's like, well, if I have to deal with this kid with this infraction that I'm uh, I'm not going to get to what I need to get to, but if you can really focus on classroom management as a lever to getting to the content, you'll see how tightly related they are. And if we can't have a smooth running classroom, you lose instructional time. So it's only going to get worse by not addressing it. Um, and so I just wanted to stop a second and just mention classroom management's a year, a year round thing. So especially at the end of the year, you should be checking them with teachers and classrooms and, and kind of noting to yourself, where are we with the classroom management and how can I get everyone back on track and motivate the teacher to still hold those high expectations? Yes, I, I definitely agree. Um, I do believe like if something has stopped working throughout the year or especially towards the end of the year that you do have to, you know, revisit it, change it, teach it again and practice it. And also to review those expectations that you have for um, your children and, um, and find different ways to like pump up that engagement so that they, um, they do buy in like you had mentioned um another thing that you mentioned that i i really like was the reflective piece um mm. because i i do think that reflection makes you um an effective teacher because you're reviewing your experiences your lessons 
um, and even those procedures. Um, and I think becoming more aware of yourself and your actions um, also can help you figure out what to do next and make better decisions and actions. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to add that. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you did. And going into the chat, Fanny says that they definitely do prioritize classroom management where they work. So I'm so glad to hear that. Christina mentioned, I think classroom management should be one of the top priorities school-wide as kids need to hear the same expectations across the board. It helps to keep the guessing out of it. And that's a valid point because if it's not a priority for the school level, then each teacher is gonna have different rules. And that's very confusing if kids have to transition and have multiple teachers in uh, the same grade, or they end up just having a peer in a different room. And then parents are calling and say, well, this kid over here did this and they didn't get in trouble and this rule over here. And it just becomes very messy. Um, I don't think that like the way you run your classroom has to be the same. But if there is some sort of consequence situation or reward system, it is helpful for everyone to kind of be on the same page to just kind of keep the organization flowing. Um, but in terms of like how you collect papers, <laughs> doesn't have to be the same in every classroom. But there are some, I would say, foundational classroom management things that, yeah, as a school, it helps if everyone kind of follows suit with that. I agree. Um, I have uh, when I worked in elementary school, that was one of the well, that was one of the complaints because um, we had it was a K to eight school. And there were during staff meetings, we would hear from everyone. And a lot of the sixth through eighth grade teachers were complaining that, you know, they would leave one class and then go to another and then, you know, they would behave a certain way but they wouldn't, you know, so it was just like, no one was on the same page. So I think that that does matter. And children pick up on it also. They know, you know, that one one class is a little more lax than another and stuff like that. Yeah. Before we get into obstacles with classroom management and different tips and tricks to help teachers become stronger with classroom management. Can we just talk about when we say the word classroom management, Celeste, what, is, what do you think it means? How would you describe it so we can be on the same page for our chat tonight? So for me, um, classroom management is, uh, is made up of different pillars and systems, including your classroom environment, the actual environment, the physical environment, the routines that you have, the procedures, the rules or expectations, and also the transitions. I also think that there are there are different levels to classroom management. Um, if we were to picture like a triangle, I think the bottom of classroom management would be the foundation, which are those systems or pillars. And you have to, I think, kind of um, step back and, and think if they align with your vision for your class. And then I think above that would be your actual expectations. Like, um, do your ideas or what you're asking your children match with where they are? For instance, where, where are they developmentally? Like if you're mm -hmm. asking, asking them to do something and they just really can't do it, 
you know, you, then you have to adjust your expectations. And I also think that your words and your actions are part of that as well because you're the example for them. So, um, and there's also, I think other levels, another level would be the child's external world. Like what are they bringing to school with them? What kind of baggage are they carrying with them? What, what is life like when they leave your classroom or the school? And then um, above that would be the child's internal world. Like, you know, are they on the spectrum or is there something that they're going through that you haven't been trained for um, and you need help with? So I think that there's not only, um, it's those pillars, but it's also the different levels of, of um, classroom management also. I think that's a great point. I've never really thought about the child and that depth in terms of how is my system I'm creating appropriate, developmentally appropriate for them. And that goes back to we can have a school-wide basic foundational system, but how it gets implemented for each grade is going to be different. You know, middle school is going to look different than elementary. K2 in elementary looks different than 3-5 and pre-K. And so, so I, I think you bring up a valid point I hadn't even really thought of that. Um, I was going to talk about a specific, two specific obstacles that teachers often struggle and we have to coach them through in terms of classroom management. And it's obviously student misbehaviors, like this kid's always doing this, or I can never teach because this kid over here is doing this, or these kids don't listen. And when I pause and ask them, what could you do that would change that? And they realize through my question that they have to work backwards and say to themselves, what about the environment or what about uh, the lack of routine or system that I had in that point of the lesson? How did that impact the child? They had too much time to get to the next center, wherever they're going. So they found a buddy, they start joking, laughing or they didn't have materials at their desk. So now they're getting up and having to go across the room to get it and they're throwing paper airplanes or they're doing basketball hoops into the trash. Um, so when teachers take a step back and instead of focusing on the surface of whatever happened, the chaos in the room, and they think, what could I have put in place to prevent that from even being an option of happening? Then they realize they do have control because I think a lot of time teachers are frustrated when it's like classroom management and uh, student misbehaviors and they're thinking to themselves, I can't force people to pay attention or to do their work or to follow my system. And I said, well, it's not about forcing them to, but if you put the conditions in place where it's an organized, systematic way of operating in the room, they, for the most part, will adhere without it having to become, you will do this kind of thing. And so if it's not misbehaviors, they'll say, well, I just, the, the content, the kids aren't learning. I don't know what else I, I can do. And then that also goes back to classroom management. How are you setting up the, the learning opportunities for them? And, and you were mentioning, is it developmentally appropriate? Some of the systems and routines, can kids do what you're asking them to do? Um, if, they, if they can't complete certain amount of tasks in a certain amount of time, 
Well, then that's something that's called pacing and that's part of classroom management and you can, you can tweak that. And so if it's not the misbehaviors, it's the content. Usually there's, there's issues there and it all can come back to how we as teachers are planning and preparing our lessons. And part of that comes down to the management, which unfortunately it is not reactionary which is what's happening in most of our classrooms. It's Johnny, sit down, Sarah, stop talking. And that's not management. We got to prevent these things from happening by having expectations, not just rules, but expectations for what does it look like when I'm up here teaching for a mini lesson? Or what does it look like when you're turning and talking with a peer? Or what does it look like when it's silent reading? Or what does it look like when we're working with math manipulatives? Whatever it is, you need to let them know this is the volume in the room. This is where you can go. These are the materials you need. This is the expectation for how long it should take. This is what it should look like when you're complete. And when all the expectations are laid out, they're not going to have all these 50 million questions and they're going to know what to do when they have a question. What's the protocol? Um, and, and some teachers will say, this is all way too, way too much. I can't have 50 million systems for every subject I teach. And I say, no, that's exactly where it's wrong. You have very limited procedures, but you reuse them in every subject or in every lesson. The simplest classroom management system is just how you operate, no matter what you're teaching. This is just how we collect papers. This is how we pass out materials. This is how we turn and talk with a partner. This is how you ask and answer questions. Um, it doesn't have to be super complicated. It just has to be consistent and you've got to think and prevent what potentially could happen. So I know I said a lot there, Celeste, I'll give you a second to comment and then we'll jump into the chat and see what folks have to say. Um, I just want to say, I totally agree with that. Um, one of the things that I, I try to um, express or, or explain is that you want to tackle those lower levels first because that's the lowest hanging fruit. Those are the things that you can control. And um, so you can control your environment, your procedures, your transitions, but you may not be able to. You may not be able to control how they respond. But then that's when you can um, work on those things and fix them and and get to try to get that better response. And I do believe wholeheartedly that you should not assume anything <laughs> no matter how old they are they may have been in school for x amount of years but they've never been in school with you they've never been in your classroom they don't know how to school with you so it's like you have to make sure that um you are breaking down every everything and and showing them what it looks like i i'm a very visual learner so showing me so that I know what it looks like, what it sounds like, so that I can then um, practice it and do and um, show you that I can do it as well. So I just agree with you. Yeah, good point about assumptions and that every teacher kind of has a different vibe, different personality, different expectations. So we use um, or we have been using Teach Like a Champion and some folks like it, some folks don't. But what's great about the book is the fact that it names a technique. We finally are putting names to what 
certain things are. So for example, strong start is a way that you come into the classroom ready to go. A big thing with teachers who struggle in the classroom is that they don't manage the clock. They don't get through all their lessons uh, or there's too much downtime and students aren't performing well in the classroom. And it comes back to the structure of the room, which is classroom management. And so if you start strong by students coming into the room, at uh, the door is their morning work or up on the board, they know they go drop their belongings off in a certain spot, a cubby or the back of their chair, they sit down, pencils are already sharpened and ready to go and everything's on the board or their notebooks set right there and, and they get started. And when you can start your class, the moment the actual time starts ticking that school's in session, you're gonna be able to catch up and teach not only what's required, but have time to review and practice and maybe even extend into other things. It is possible. I have seen it done, I've done it myself. I know it can happen, but you have to set the expectation that, hey, in here we're learning and we're learning the moment you come in. And if you wanna talk at the door for 30 minutes or you wanna walk around and try and talk to people, like that's just doesn't fly. That's not how we do things in here. And you rifling through your backpack looking for materials, I can ensure that doesn't happen. All the materials are already going to be here, ready to go. I'm not going to allow you to misplace it because that wastes precious time, right? So start, when we think about obstacles to classroom management and what keeps kids struggling and why teachers can't seem to get some ground is uh, thinking through all the hiccups that happen and how can we prevent that? Have a a dull and sharp cut for pencils or, or they don't leave the room with their notebooks. They're always there ready to go. Or you have additional paper or um, everything's already loaded into their technology device, whatever, however you can get around an excuse for not being ready, not being prepared and can't start, that's going to help. Um, and there are other such techniques that would teach like a champion that just help put a name to different classroom management protocols. Some are a little bit rigid and we don't have to use those, but there are some that I have found to really help teachers find clarity and what they should be doing, what it looks like. Uh, feel free to Google any like Teach Like a Champion techniques. They are all, videos are there for you to see. The books are great. Um, and again, I know some folks aren't a big fan and that's fine. You don't have to be, but what it does is start the conversation about expectations. This is what I need. This is what I want. This is what it looks like. Consistently use it and really focus on maximizing your time together. Uh, if you have a 45 minute lesson, how much of that time are you actually teaching and instructing in our kids learning? And so when a teacher's struggling in classroom management, help, help them go through some of those reflective questions. Is there anything you could have done to prevent this from happening in terms of setting up a system? Um, how can we work around the obstacles to prevent them from happening again? Those kinds of things. And I think teachers will realize that they just, they have more power than they realize to work through that. I know Fanti was mentioning clear directions are super important and, and yeah, um, uh, we it's called what to do and teach like a champion, but uh, it can really be anything. The point is you really think through specificity when you're giving directions so that kids know how you want it done. Uh, and that goes down to volume and how much time they have and where they write and what they write and 
um, what they use to write and just all, all the things. If you can think about all the details, which should be in the lesson plan, um, then kids have little room to misbehave. We were always joking about um, the, the gray. So you give a direction and a kid ends up acting out in the gray area, meaning um, they didn't not follow the directions because you maybe didn't tell them something and they just exploit it. And that's how they avoid getting in trouble because they didn't technically break any rules. You just weren't clear enough. You know, quiet is different than silent. It's a mm -hmm. uh, very <laughs> small mm -hmm. change, but it means very different things. And so when we're working with teachers on who might be struggling in this area, I mean, pick up the lesson plan. And if it's like page two, do this, or, you know, very limited. Um, and that's why I tell principals, sometimes I think you need to get away from what the lesson plan looks like in terms of the boxes and and really look at like, what is, what would be effective for this teacher? They might need to script a few things in there, or they might need to write, pre-write their directions. Or I used to put them on slides and just project. Every time I had directions, they were projected. So the kids can't say, what did you say? It's up there. And I knew that I always had how much time I wanted it, the, the volume level, where they got the materials, what they had to do, where they turned it in, if they finished extra work. Like I had it all laid out and I copied and pasted each time, just changing out whatever the assignment was, but they always knew what to expect. And it just stayed up there. And that's because I needed to do it for myself and mm -hmm. having it up there was great for them. So that's a little bit long-winded. I apologize for that. But uh, I think clarity is the name of the game when it comes to cluster management. Yes. And I also think, um, to piggyback off that, to sometimes um, in order to get that clarity, you might have to go through the procedure yourself to like find any loopholes, like you had mentioned, uh, the gray areas um, of getting around different things or doing things um, in an alternative alternate alternative way um i think that um it's important to actually go through the process yourself and see like where you can find any of those obstacles so that you can eliminate them absolutely i want to say hey to nicole glad to have you here feel free to pop in the chat and let us know if you have any teachers that are struggling with classroom management or any tips that you need as we're talking through. Um, Celeste, so what have you noticed? I know you also were doing some online instruction, correct? Yes. So what would you say uh, could be a, a teacher's potential obstacle when it comes to classroom management so we can talk through how to support someone who might be experiencing that? Um, you mean right now or in general? And if, yeah, you can share example from now or something that's happened this year. Um, anything that would be helpful for folks to hear. Um, I'm trying to gather my thoughts. I think uh, for, um, I'm thinking of past experience. I think that especially like during this time of the year, you may, or you may be struggling with engagement um, with your your uh, children and I think that if there's any ways that you could find something to 
deliver the lesson in a in a different way or um, review the lesson a different way, um, something that maybe is um, a little novel to them. I think kids really like that novelty of uh, when you're um, doing uh, reviewing your concepts and stuff. So I think like just finding different ways to pump up that engagement so that they're they're more inclined to stay with the lesson as opposed to veering off and doing other things. That's a good point about thinking through novelty and you know there is something to be said about repeated instruction and and routines. But we were also talking at the beginning or at the end of the year, kids can be like over it. And so one way to keep them engaged and keep things on task, which is your management, is to try to just deliver it in new ways. Maybe you're outside reading your books and answering your questions, or maybe it's changing seats. Kids love sitting on top of desks or, um, you know, maybe changing classrooms with another teacher. So if you're supporting a teacher who is kind of running out of ideas for how to keep kids engaged these last few weeks say like what are things we have control over that we can tweak or change can they write in pen instead of pencil for the exercise can they write on um let's say like anchor chart paper on the floor instead of on lines paper can they um go outside and learn or you know whatever what'd you say sit on the floor yeah sit on the floor sit on the desk can they go for a walk in the hallway and you know do some sort of silent activity and come back and write about it or discuss it or whatever it is how can we just think outside the box so that it can still be orderly and we can still manage it and we have to plan it to the detail because that's what this is all about um, but supporting teachers to not feel like you have to just endure the craziness of the end of the year. It doesn't have to be that way. Instruction doesn't have to be boring. Kids sitting in rows and you like with a ruler, you know, like that's old school classroom management. It, you can have a whole lot of fun and there can be a lot of stuff happening, but it doesn't have to be, you know, like it was. So you do bring up a really good point and, and thinking about everyone in the room tonight and how you're supporting your teachers think about who is really strong in classroom management and how can we replicate those people who is struggling and pinpoint what about the classroom management is missing is it not getting written into the lesson plan do they need to talk through the details of a lesson do they struggle with reinforcing it with kids because they haven't found their voice do they um are unfamiliar with their content. And so they're spending so much brain power trying to think of what do I say next? How do I say this differently? That they just can't even address what's happening in front of them. That was a big one when I was coaching new teachers. It's like they were so focused on like that, what they were trying to say and how they were supposed to teach it that, I mean, it was like all out fights in front of the teacher and they couldn't even um, deal with it because they were just trying to think of, okay, what am I going to say about whatever I'm teaching? And I had to be like, stop. I mean, they're not even listening and they're not even ready to listen. So it doesn't even matter mm -hmm. if you set it perfectly or followed your lesson plan to the T. It doesn't matter. Like the world's falling apart over here. <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> but 
um, they just didn't have the brain power for it because they just were uncomfortable with that content. So when you, when you kind of label your teachers where they are on this continuum of like struggling to really powerfully strong, think then, uh, okay, what is the culprit? What is the issue? And I'm sure you all have had learning walks in your building, but we've got to not just showcase what strong management looks like from the people within it, but we got to get people experiencing it. So uh, it's not enough to go film a, a great teacher in a system. It's not enough to just model stuff uh, in a professional development setting. You really got to watch someone do it live with kids and, and watch things not go right and watch things go seamlessly because it's planned that way. Um, so maybe we need to make more time to just watch excellent classroom management happening and call out why was that so great? What happened that you almost didn't even see um, that made that successful? What has that teacher done to prep or prepare the classroom or themselves to make things look great. Um, we, I had a few teachers that would come in to watch when I was working with student teachers to help them. So I was still teaching at this point, but I was helping this teacher learn their own classroom management system. So they'd pull things that I was doing and made it their own. And these other teachers were coming in to watch me work with that person. And they found it fascinating that although our personalities were different, we could still command the room and lessons could still be really productive in different ways. And, and so I think that's encouraging for teachers who feel like it's a one size fits all. This is how you have to do it because the person next to you does it this way or the teacher of the year over there does it this way. It doesn't have to be like that. Um, so as a leader in your building, think of how can I help this person do it their way in a way that fits who they are being true to them, but has control and that the focus truly is on student learning and, um, and by doing that because you've got the systems in place. So Celeste, I'll let you comment on that. Uh, yes. Um, <clears throat> well, a couple of things I wanted to mention was the, um, the ideas of uh, making it more engaging at the end of the school year. Uh, one one activity that I did with my second graders that they absolutely loved was being teacher for the day. So they actually had, they could pick something that they're really good at, whether it's something that was taught in the, in the class or just something that they were, you know, really good at, whether it was an art activity or a science activity or something like that. And they got to actually teach the children. And it was an amazing sight to see, like, not, you know, the children not really um, addressing their struggles to the teachers in the room, but actually to the actual teacher of the day and seeing how they like worked it out. It was like, it was just an amazing experience for the children and for me to see, like they even took some of the um, the subtle management tactics and used it with the kids that you know they were quote unquote teaching and stuff. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention was you had talked about um, watching or having new teachers watch other teachers or getting in community with the veteran teachers in the, in the school. And um, I, I totally ag agree that there needs to be some type of um, 
maybe uh, I don't know, maybe some professional development time need need to be needs to be spent in those kind of settings where you know new teachers can ask questions and and um, and get advice from those teachers who are you know exemplars as far as like classroom management is concerned and the other thing um you had mentioned watching someone in action and i was think that's so weird that you mentioned that mentioned that because i thought about that earlier today and i was like how would that work um because i know when mentor teachers come in there's sometimes they're usually teachers from other classes so they have their own class to teach and then no one wants to give up their prep time because prep time is like a commodity so like i was just wondering that would be ideal to actually see someone who has a handle on classroom management and actually see it in action you know you know as it's as it's happening you know, I mean, there's no other better way to act than actually seeing it, you know, to really get an idea of how you can, you know, take what you need from it and bring it into your classroom. But I was, I didn't really want to mention that because I know that getting coverage might be a struggle for, you know, almost everyone. Yeah, you certainly couldn't do a learning walk with like 10 people at one time in one building when kids are in the building. <laughs> it just doesn't work. But what I've done in the past is as a coach or as a leader, I'm covering you for 10 minutes. You're going to this person, you're looking for this thing, and you're reflecting, and then you're coming back. So it's very pointed. Okay. You could give someone 20, 30 minutes, but then they end up like looking at classroom decor, or, like how cute are the kids? And they're not in there focused on what they're supposed to be looking for, which are the systems, the procedures, how uh, misbehaviors are addressed, whatever. So when you give them very clear, it could be very short. So if the coach or another leader in the building can't cover you for just that short amount of time, then we have hired a sub in the past who hops around. So it goes to classroom A uh, and covers that teacher for 10 minutes, then goes to the next teacher and on, and they just float around the room until everyone's had, or the school, till everyone's had a chance to go see what they, who they need to see and what they need to focus on. So that's another way to do it. Um, besides just filming it for people to see it right. and viewing at their own time. I like that. I like, that. and I also encourage um, new teachers to make sure that they're writing down um, when when they're in their classroom, like writing down what went well, what didn't go well, and what they could do differently, um, and, and you know, and and um, also taking notes when they are you know visiting and um, looking at different teachers as they whether that is on, you know, film or, you know, in person, like take notes of what you're seeing. So that, well, you, you know, what's really powerful uh, as you're mentioning that is before we, I work with somebody on a specific thing, I want them to reflect just like you're mentioning um, mm -hmm. because it's important to go back to that original reflection. So you can have a teacher answer a few questions on a piece of paper or, or in a journal or whatever. And then you could even film that person. And after they've written their 
reflection. Then they watch the video and then you have a post reflection. Does what you felt at the end of your lesson match what you actually saw on the video? And oftentimes they don't. They thought they walked close enough to a student to make them stop talking, but it really was ineffective. Or they thought that they had a system that allowed students to, I don't know, get to the next place quickly, but it ended up eating up a lot more time than they indicated when they were finally watching their stopwatch or whatever. So it helps them be a mirror to themselves without you having to tell them this is not going well, or this is what I saw, because then it's like, well, who are you to tell me your opinion? And the video doesn't lie. I don't have to see the video. It's for your eyes only, but there is a contrast between how you felt it went and what actually happened. So that's definitely another way to get some PD. Otherwise, having your professional learning communities come together and talk about classroom management, say what are expectations for, like right now, the end of the year, the last month, the last two weeks, what do we expect things to look like? And taking snippets and talking about what do we see uh, in this classroom? What's going well? What are hot spots? What are things that need to be addressed? And how can we go out and make sure our whole team is really successful, not just my class and my kids? Um, so having that team mentality is really good too. Yes, I agree about the team. Um when one is hurting, then I think we all hurt. <laughs> well, right, because at the end of the day, all, the kids are all uh, on our roster. I mean, how our whole grade level does is really essential to getting them prepared for the next grade, not just to pass on a test, right? So the more we can put the environment that allows kids to be the most successful, the better off we are. And if something's working for you, I want you to share with everybody else. And it doesn't have to look the same, but if there is something you're doing or the way you're doing it, you seem to have success with, then we want to replicate that throughout the building, not just throughout the grade level. So I was thinking of, of how could I give you guys some steps in, in these last few weeks really coaching with a classroom management lens. And I want you to, to rate the teachers you're working with where they are and really prioritize the people that need you and allow the folks that are fine some breathing room. Um, in addition to rating, they need to be thinking about where they are ranking and how that's going. And not just like, oh, I'm a nine, I'm good. But is there somewhere in your lesson that you could really strengthen things and gain some instructional time so that kids have more practice with the content and therefore are more successful? So after you've kind of rated and reflected, you can go to step two and that's prioritizing the people you're working with and prioritizing where in the lesson or what type of system that we're gonna attack what makes the most sense um, in terms of it'll have the most bang for your buck because you can't start overhauling a classroom and changing everything. You have to pick one thing at a time until kids are used to that, until you've kind of figured it out, ironed it all out before you add the next thing. Uh, so when you're working with a teacher and you're saying classroom management is such a big thing. So what aspect of it and what are we going to try first? What makes the most sense? I always think how you start the lesson, how you end the lesson is, is very important. So that would be a good place to start. Are you setting the precedence that when we're in this room, we're learning and it's orderly and 
but it's also still a lot of fun. So after you prioritize, then you need to plan. I want to see in your lessons where you are allowing yourself to be stronger in classroom management. Um, did you pace your lesson and put timestamps? This should take five minutes. This should take 12 minutes. This should take whatever. Um, are you putting students' names that are kind of your hot spots in the room? Make sure you look at so-and-so during this time. It's, it's a longer period of time for learning. They're going to end up having a lot of energy and need to move around. Or are you um, grouping kids ahead of time? You are all working together because I have a high kid, a low kid, a medium kid, or I have a anxious child. I have a boisterous child. I, you know, when we create our, our groups, we're always thinking, how can I mix this so it's a really effective group? I always had my groups up on the board as well as my directions because I didn't want to spend time assigning everyone where they needed to go. Find your name and get there. And it mm -hmm. says exactly where you should be. It's a small system. You can replicate it for any subject you're teaching so you can use it consistently. Once kids learn the system, it's good to go and you can add something else. So think about how teachers are actually planning for these things. And then feedback. How are you going to give them feedback? How are they going to keep you in the loop of how things are going? Decide what your system is. And I think from now until the end of the year, when you're really prioritizing the right things and teachers are planning for them to be successful and they're getting that feedback, then we really can make the end of the year, not just, oh my gosh, time is not passing, but hey, we had a lot of fun. We learned and we're ready for the next grade. Yes. Um, I definitely think that um, doing those reflective pieces can improve the experiences of the children and um, in the classroom and also keep you, you know, creative and innovative. Um, and also I, I do want to say that when you are reflecting, it also can boost your confidence because if you're also taking note of things that did go well, like it's not, you know, just about, okay, well, what didn't work, but also like, you know, celebrate things that did go well, like did ever, you know, whatever that may be, like, even if it's, it is something small, like don't just, you know, beat yourself up when, oh, I should have done this or I should have done that. Like, yes, you, you know for next time to do that, but also well, what did go well and, and, you know, and pat yourself on the back. Yeah. I wanted to also mention about freedom and flexibility. We don't need tightly wound classrooms all the time. We have to start that way in order to, to really gain some momentum until kids are part of the routine. But as they've earned your respect and you guys know how things are expected to be, then they should be able to ha loosen the reins a little bit and have a little bit more freedom and do things that are a little bit out of the norm. And end of the year is the perfect time to do that. So I would also ask that when you're working with teachers, ask them, like, are your kids frustrated because they don't have a lot of freedom and flexibility in the room? Now is the time of the year that's perfect to experiment with that. And let's talk about what is that, what could that look like for us? And again, small increments, you can't just be like, hey, you have the entire 45 minutes to complete this project, right? They need a lot of 
many milestones and check-ins and guidance of what things look like, but allow them to run the classroom or allow them to um, do kind of more hands-on things that don't require the worksheet and the this working together and work listening to you, you know, whatever your format is for the lesson, like I do, we do, you do is a popular one. So if that's what you're using, maybe we mix it up or they can lead a part of it. Or again, we talked about other ways to just get out about the building to add some novelty, but freedom and flexibility is motivating to kids and would help prevent some misbehavior. So that could be another conversation with, um, your teachers as well. Mm -hmm. And Fanti says, yes, not all things need to change. What would you like to do the same in the future? And what would you like to do differently? Yeah. And that gives teachers uh, freedom and flexibility because you're giving them ownership in it. You're not coming into their classroom and saying, this is what you need to do. This is why you need to do it. And I'm going to come back and watch and make sure you do it. You know, that's not going to build relationships with them. They're going to feel like a failure and like they're incapable of being successful. So you really want to put all that reflection um, on their shoulders to say, what do you think about this? And what do you think an appropriate solution would be? And what have you tried? And why did you think that didn't work? And what would you like for me? How can I help you think of something? And um, all of that helps in the end kids be successful in the room. So I'm so glad you mentioned that, Fanti. Mm -hmm. Celeste, anything else that you haven't had a chance to share? Um, uh, I think just, um, when we're, we're not only thinking about the end of the school year, but also the beginning of next year, like just encourage the teachers to, um, focus on classroom management, um, those routines and procedures. I think those should be the main part of the lesson plans, um, at the beginning of the year, um, and to be very, um, uh, to show them to, you know, be a model and have them practice and all that stuff. Um, that's really all just um, to set them off on the right foot, just to make sure that those things are a part of their lessons at the beginning of the year. Yep. Right now at the end of the year is the perfect time to start preparing how you're going to support teachers in the fall. When it comes back to school time, things are crazy. There's meetings. Teachers are still trying to set up classrooms. It's meet the teacher night and all the parents are coming in and it can get really stressful. And then all of a sudden day one comes and some teachers start to struggle because all their attention has been on which PD meetings they're going to and is my room set up and is it ready to meet all my students and their families? And they don't put a lot of time into how am I going to teach the first week and the first day, the first hour, the first minute. And so your job as teacher leaders is to incorporate not only in your PD, but especially on ones you already know struggle. And then any newbies that are coming in, they don't have to be fresh out of college, but anyone new to the building or new to a different grade level, like, Hey, let's take five, 10 minutes to just talk through day one 
What procedures are we going to be teaching kids? What are we going to be using? What structure? How can I help you have a really successful day? We can't keep all our focus on preparing and then not thinking about, oh gosh, day one is here. What does it look like? Week one is here and I'm just not really ready to execute in the classroom. And those conversations need to happen. So now is the time to start planning who are those people that you know are going to be on your radar? How can you set up? a conversation so it's quick because you know they got a lot going on at the beginning of the year, but so it's practical and helpful to hit the ground running because how they start their year is a major predictor of how it's going to go. Um, mm -hmm. And so as we support teachers, uh, now is the time to already start thinking ahead, not just what's happening right now at the end of the year, but also what is our plan over the summer and back to school time to really help and support and get with your principal and say, what are their expectations that are going to be different? Like, you know, when you think back on how classroom management was school-wide this year, what do you want to keep? What do you want to change? What should I focus on? And then that will help you design professional development or during your PLCs, what kind of questions should you be focusing on? What needs to be requirements for a lesson plan? And then who are you going to check in with those first few days? Mm -hmm. Alrighty. So I think that we've covered it pretty good about coaching with the classroom management, knowing that it's more about the systems and how to prevent things and giving teachers ownership and the reflection and being able to get to the root of what's happening. And it all really kind of comes down to how prepared you are and executing your lesson, which just writing a lesson plan isn't going to cut it. Um, so I thank you, Celeste, for sharing some of your experiences and your ideas. How can we connect with you? Are you active on a you know, specific platform on social media or how can we find you? Uh, yes. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I, you can find me on Instagram at Miss Celeste underscore online. Or um, I have a YouTube channel, your co-teacher, Miss Celeste. And you can catch me there too. Okay, awesome. We will have a chat. We're actually going to be here again next Sunday with a different topic, all for instructional coaches. So I'm thankful for each and every one of you. I know it's the end of the year. You're crazy busy. Uh, I hope you're able to work with your teachers and empower them to push through and make it really successful for kids. Thank you for coming to tonight's chat. And thank you for always chatting in the room. I love that seeing you guys in there. Um, Celeste, thank you so much for being here tonight. Thank you. All right. Go be great. Bye-bye. All right, Elite Educators. I hope you found value in that Clubhouse chat. All resources mentioned will be in the show notes. Just visit www.alwaysalesson.com. Click on podcast and find this bonus episode. Wishing you an empowered school year. Go be great.